It's that time. Everything and anything basketball, presented by The Outrage. With Cajun Furitani Castleman and host Spencer Byers, this is Polar Opposites. Welcome, everyone, to episode 21, Polar Opposites. I know I stopped saying episodes, but once in a while, I will just throw it in there that I am paying attention, that Cajun and I are paying attention. Spencer Byers, Cajun, Theru, Thaney Castleham, regularly scheduled programming, continuing here on the Outrage, Inc. with Polar Opposites. Big night in the NBA, lots of teams in action today, yesterday, starting day on Tuesday. Cajun and I have gone through our top 10 per position. Cajun and I have gone through where we think teams are going to finish, and now teams have started. So we are going to talk a little bit about teams' first games, how they looked, who we like, who we haven't liked, who looked good, who didn't look good. I watched the end of the Celtics game. Cajun was at the Raptors game, as he does work for MLSE as a, I'll say, uh, the concession stand, Cajun? Concession stand? MC, MC runner. MC, there you go. He, he's, he's MC Hammer, basically. He's MC Runner. He's with MC Hammer, you know? So, so to, start us, to start us off, Cage, we will start with Adam Silver. We talked about a couple weeks ago. He said that they were going to think about switching from the draft All-Star game back to East versus West All-Star game. And they have officially set, I'll say ratified that. They have now gone to the East versus West All-Star game. I said I preferred it. I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't really remember, Cage, what you said about it. If you were for or against the All Star game going East versus West slash draft, but um, I'm, all I'm for definitely it. for it. I'm all for it too. Um, only problem is the t- only issue is, and the just goes to show, like how like the talent level is. There's there's a lot more talent on the West than there is on the East. So there's going to be some snubs on the West side compared to the East, and there's going to be like All Star All Stars from the East that usually would not be mentioned in the West. And also, it's a younger set of crop of players you'd expect, Cage, with the East versus the West. Yes, obviously, Wembenyama is with the Spurs, but you've got the, 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 the Pistons, who got lots of young guys, the Hornets, who have got young guys, and, and LaMelo Ball, who's still rather young. you got the Magic full of young guys. you got the Pacers full of young guys. A lot of young teams in the East compared to the West. The West is a little more older, AD, LeBron, KD, you know, Booker. Booker's not that old, but still with Beal and and all of those types of players, comparatively speaking, to the East. So it definitely will be more of a passing the torch type of, of all-star games, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. to continue with Adam Silver, and I'm going to play this because I think this is amazing. So Charles Barkley, who we all know, part of the TNT crew with Ernie Johnson, Sha- Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq, uh, Kenny the Jet Smith, and of course, the round mount of rebound. So they were in the panel with Commissioner Adam Silver, and they were about to go to commercial cage. They were just about to go to commercial. And then Charles Barkley decides he's going to be – I'm going to use the term, and Cajun, I think you you and I both know I'm going to hate using this type of term. So I'm actually going to change it before I say something I regret. It's just an absolute Chad moment and decides that he's going to ask Adam Silver the real question that everyone's been thinking about. And, and, and performs on the floor. I, I got one more question. I don't care. He, he says go to commercial, but I got a serious question for you. There's a couple of disturbing incidents of domestic violence in the NBA right now. 
what are we doing to address that? Because that is a, you can't put your hands on women, man. And we should be at the forefront in sports when the men hit women. So what are we as a league going to do about that? Well, again, you know, I, I, that's an area where we're not looking to compete against other leagues when you say forefront. So I think all the leagues are trying to address this issue. But I know, again, our, our, our Players Association, credit to them, this wasn't adversarial. We put in place a new program for how we deal with, uh, it, first of all, accusations of domestic violence even before they're prosecuted. Part of it goes to training of our players, uh, counseling of our players to make sure they understand during high-stress situations that, like, obviously never resort to violence against anyone. And so we're addressing it. We have, you know, state-of-the-art uh, counseling professionals dealing with our players. But, of course, and if a guy, you know, does cross the line, the consequences are enormous. So, again, Adam Silver on TNT inside the NBA, live from, I assume, is the opener between Los, Fe Los Angeles Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. I'm not sure if that was in Denver or L.A. Cajun would definitely it was in know. Denver. It was in it was Denver. In, it was in Mile High in Colorado. But it takes into a question, Cage, and I know you, you heard it, uh, I believe, earlier today or, or yesterday, and I, I heard this, I think, a couple days ago because I heard it when it first came out because I read it and went, oh, okay, I, I got to listen to what Charles asks him because you and I have talked about this to nauseum with the Miles Bridges situation that's come and, come and gone. He's now, of course, obviously um, turned himself into that warrant we talked about. Kevin Porter Jr. has been traded and, mo I believe, cut, but still really no word if he's been cut from the um, Oklahoma City Thunder. And, you know, I know it's not domestic violence, but still you've got a guy like John Morant who continues to make the same mistake. He's out for the next 25 games because of um, flashing weapons, specifically handguns on Instagram Live, more than once, at least twice, maybe thrice. And... Uh, the reason why I want to talk about this cage is not more because of Adam Silver's answer, which was the most political correct answer he could have given. Like if you would have written out what the commissioner would have said this on a podium, he, he basically would have said what Adam Silver said. He said basically he what you would have written down. It was a complete political answer. He literally said a whole bunch of nothing. Exactly. It was it was it, he gave us nothing to give you confidence that, OK, this will never happen again. It very much was. We added this new policy, and obviously we're training our players to not act out violently. And basically it was, well, we're trying to stop it before it happens, but when it happens, the quote-unquote punishment, as you heard, will be enormous. When Kevin Porter Jr. has still not been suspended, Miles Bridges has not been suspended for his most recent um, interaction. So... Um, and that's and that's and that's what's the what's the most maddening out of all of this. It's like at least Kevin Porter Jr. and I was looking at this. He's now a free agent. Like OKC, like actually cut him after all that happened. Uh, once he got traded. But how in the world is Miles Bridges still on the team? Why he's still on the team? Why he's still on a team is beyond me. And like this has been a problem with the NBA and. <clears throat> Adam Silver, like, Adam Silver, he's talked a lot about social justice issues, but there's also, like, other issues that they don't really touch upon or, like, or poorly handle. Case in point, when Daryl Morey was with the people of Hong Kong and then with the deal between NBA and China and, like, how they make a lot of business from 
the Chinese market. That kind of affected them. And that kind of affected them. And that was mishandled from the get-go. Um, so he's out. And ever since he took, ever since he took over there, there, there's been mishandling issues like this. And I was like, and this never really happened under David Stern. You never really heard this happen under David Stern. Sure, Adam Silver's advanced the game a lot more than David than David Stern, but David David Stern kept things in check. It's kind of interesting, Cage, because David Stern obviously has been accused of a lot of things in his tenure as commissioner, game fixing, the spent the the alleged suspension of Michael Jordan. Again, not speculating, just the the idea, the this conspiracy theories of fixing the draft for my Patrick Ewing going to New York, the you know, the conspiracy theory about Michael Jordan being suspended for a year, why he went to go play baseball instead of, you know, him wanting to go play baseball, you know, and, and some other things, some some the the uh, conference finals between the San uh, the Sacramento Kings and the Los Angeles Lakers. That was the Shaq and Kobe Lakers versus the Chris Webber Kings and the, the, the free throws being so slanted in, in favor of the Lakers, you know, a lot of things were pinned at David Stern, but they were never... They were never off the court. They were always on the court. And I'm not sure which one's worse, Cajun. I'm not sure if David Stern's accusations of fixing, which in my opinion is worse, than the, uh, than the mishandlings of off-the-court issues by Adam Silver, but both in their own right are not positive for both commissioners, former and present of the NBA. Yeah, and it's... Like... Like you've seen NBA players like get off scoot scot free, and it kind of just like is a sobering reminder of the privilege athletes have over us common folk. Because God forbid, if one of us if one of us put our hands on a put our hands on a woman, we all know how that's gonna end. Um, Very poorly, is the answer. Okay? Very poorly. It seems it seems like all all athletes are gonna. Are gonna get is a slap on the wrist and maybe therapy. It's just it's just frustrating. It's just maddening to see. And credit Charles Barkley. There's a round mound of rebound for asking question, asking the asking the tough questions and saying it as it is. But Adam Silver said a whole bunch of laughing, and I can't be surprised knowing that he looks like Barnacle Boy from SpongeBob SquarePants. But that's just me. Yeah, Cajun, Cajun loves making references and saying legal names, so he 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 will definitely make a couple more of those if you haven't already heard throughout the many episodes. Um, I I want to say before we move on because I wanted to lead off. Well, you said you wanted to lead off with this because of me, and I only want, a reason why I wanted on on the the lineup is because I just want to give big ups to Charles Barkley, and I know Charles Barkley always doesn't listen to this, and he don't care about common folk like you and I, but you know, Charles Barkley is what every fan wants an analyst to be. They want them to be unbiased, relatively. Obviously, Charles and Shaq and Kenny all played for their own individual teams and have their biases towards guys, good and bad. Shaq specifically with, you know, Shaq's in a fool and all of that debacle with uh, with, with uh, JaVale McGee and all the other players that he kind of dogged on through that show that weren't happy about it. But anyway. Stay with, stay with me. JaVale McGee. He said it, he said but, it enough, Cage. You you can you can find a twenty minute compilation of Shaq saying it. So, um, 
But big ups to to Charles Barkley, as you said, Cajun, for not being scared, going to a break, saying, no, we got to, you know, I don't care if y'all go to break. We have to ask, like, Commissioner Silver, what are we doing as a league to ensure players understand that these actions are reprehensible and not condoned? We do not allow these types of actions by players. Chuck's always been that type. Go ahead. Chuck's always been that type of guy, though. And that's the best part. And that's why people want more analysts like him. They don't want the entitled, you know, analysts that we have now where guys think that they're, you know, the, the second coming and act like, you know, they're, they're, they're stars in their own right. When in fairness, you know, some of them are and some of them aren't. But I still think a guy like Charles Barkley, but every analyst should be, is not caring about necessarily having a job. Because Charles Barkley will tell you, he does what he does because he enjoys it, not because he needs the money or because he needs to be there. Charles Barkley can retire at any one point from TNT, and it will not hurt him in the slightest. So Barkley has that stability of being able to say, I don't care if I have consequences to asking a question that other analysts would have consequences to if they worked for one of the other major brands, that's ESPN, Fox, or, or TNT, Turner Broadcasting. So. That's what I wish more analysts were like, is not worrying so much about the stability. I, I understand it. I'm not trying to act like I wouldn't do the same. If I knew I asked by asking a question, I could be I, I could get disciplined as far as being fired. I probably wouldn't ask that question. But I also know the back of my mind, I'd want to ask that question regardless, because if, if the question needs to be asked, they somebody should have the balls to answer, ask the question. OK. Commissioner Silver, what are we doing to stop players like Miles Bridges, like Kevin Porter Jr., like John Morant, from doing these things off the floor that affect everything on the floor and make us look like a league that doesn't care? You know, like the NFL has has royally messed up situations. And, you know, Henry Ruggs, who will now never, most likely never play football again. Michael Vick who's the other major athlete who got put sent to prison for a year and didn't get to play football. Other than those two guys, not a whole lot of football players actually get blackballed. Ray Rice did, but he never went to prison. He just got blackballed from the NFL, you know? But you have lots of other athletes who do things that they should, like, how many instances did Antonio Brown do off of the field that should have affected him on the field and didn't? And I'm not saying Antonio Brown's not a great football player because he was a great football player, but his off the field has cost him hundreds of millions of dollars in the NFL. And it's costed probably Michael Porter Jr. hundreds of millions of dollars because you and I, Cajun, will openly admit Kevin Porter Jr. is a great basketball, he's a good basketball player, could be a great basketball player. But his off-the-court issues that have got him traded out of Cleveland, now traded out of Houston, and cut from Oklahoma City may have just costed him a couple hundred million dollar basketball career. And the NBA has kind of gone, eh, hear no evil, speak no evil. And have let him ba- I'll say basically get away with it. Because Kevin Ward Jr. is being charged. He's going to court. And the NBA has not suspended him, hasn't made any punishment to what he's done. And I'm not saying suspend him without having evidence. That's not what I'm saying. But at the very least, put him on the, I'll say what the NFL does, put him on the commissioner's list, which basically means he is suspect he is ineligible to play indefinitely and not only be around the team but isn't suspended he's on the commissioner's list 
So basically, they're evaluating what they're going to do about it. And either they take them off the commissioner's list and they're allowed to play, and it's just that was the suspension was their time on the commissioner's list, or they add a suspension onto it where they're, you know, they're not allowed to play this many games and, and they're fined this much amount of money. But Adam Silver either needs a policy like that or needs to use a policy like that so the league doesn't have these types of instances that it's already having and looks like it's going to continue to have. I think I, re- I remember you saying that um, the NBA has turned into more of a player's league and to a degree you don't like it. Ben. I think it's also gone to a player's league because of instance issues like this. And this is, and I guess why I referred reference David Stern in the, in this instance is because is because that wouldn't have slid under Stern. The off the court stuff. It seems like, <clears throat> it seems like the players are just dictating dictating what's going around the league and in terms of like issues and it's not a hard line with this, especially with domestic violence, which is no joke. And the NBA's got to figure this out and soon because God forbid if there was ever a Henry Ruggs situation in the NBA, all hell would break loose. Hopefully, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. But again, with the way players seem to seemingly have power in the NBA, It'd be, an, it'd be interesting to see what Adam Silver and the NBA did about a guy like Henry Ruggs. Um, but now moving on to more serious allegations. So the show's getting a little heavier. Don't worry, we will lighten up as the show goes on. But we are getting all the heavy stuff out of the way. Dwight Howard has uh, been accused of sexual assault. So I remember not too long ago, Cajun, you were asking, you know, why is a guy like Dwight Howard for example, not in the NBA because he is talented enough to be in the NBA. And now this comes out. I'm not saying this is the reason he's not in the NBA. I do think it's other things. But this is now adding to why Dwight Howard will most likely never be an NBA basketball player again. So he was accused of sexual assault by another man. And actually, it looks like it was a, a former NBA player and another person. So he's been accused by two separate people. And um, so Stephen Harper is the defendant in the civil suit that's been placed against Howard since July, alleging mm-hmm. assault, battery, false imprisonment, and intention and intentional infliction of emotional distress are the 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 civil suit um, accusations. And then to, to give you a little bit of the story, because I don't really I don't really want to go through this because again it is rather off-putting, but I will I feel like I, I have to. So um, Dwight Howard allegedly uh, contacted um, Mr. Harper through Instagram, and they had shared explicit text messages. And they arranged to meet at Dwight's house back in July 19, July 19, 2021. So this is a few years ago now. Um, while on his way to the residence, Harper says Howard Dwight texted him and asked if another man or woman could join their planned sexual encounter. Harper said he told Howard he was not interested. Once at Howard's house, 
Harper claims they were joined by a man dressed as a woman who identified only as Kitty. Harper says he tried to resist the two men, but Howard and Kitty forced him to participate in sexual activities. And the report continues. So that is why he is suing. Dwight Howard's obviously come out and said that it was a consensual sexual activity and no assault took place. You and I are not here to indict or give a pass to White Howard. That's not what we're here to do. But it's important to talk about stories like this because, again, it adds to Kevin Porter Jr., Miles Bridges, etc. So Dwight Howard now in hot water with this civil suit. And I don't really know where else to go with it, Kate, other than just say Dwight Howard will never play in the NBA again, I would say. This report just puts that final nail in the coffin that Dwight will most likely never play in the NBA again. May go back overseas, that's Taiwan or, or what have you, but um, his NBA career is is officially over. You'd have to say so after hearing what is going on. And... <clears throat> And like the talk before this came out, this lawsuit came out was that Dwight Howard was being blackballed because from the NBA because of the same thing Carmelo Anthony got blackballed from the NBA for a bit. Um, Eagle and roll. Clearly that's in, that isn't the case. And um, he spoke out about his sexuality in like 2019 and said he was hurt by it. And now fast forward to this and all these details, all this, all these explosive details in this lawsuit are coming out. It, it, and it's just like, and I've seen the comments on this on social media because that's how I found out. People are going off on, on how he's gay. I'm, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, some of y'all, some of y'all have your priorities on that he's gay and not that he sexually assaulted someone allegedly sexually assaulted someone allegedly 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 but i'm like i'm like y'all got your priorities messed up and, and it's just like that's another thing like it's just it's just mind-boggling. It's just mind-boggling that something like this could allegedly happen. And and if and he wasn't getting enough NB. Well, Cage, I can't sh can't exactly sure if you cut out or not. I will mention Cage was at Union Station downtown Toronto after the Raptors game. So we're just trying to get this thing recorded up and edited and ready to go for posting. Um, so I will quickly move on. Uh, Cage, are you back? Yeah. Oh, there we go. Am I back home? 
Yeah. No, no, we got you. All right. So um, we're going to do a little bit different case. So we didn't do Scrabble board on Monday for obvious reasons. The, hour, the episode without, without it was two hours long. Yeah. So we're going to do something a little different this t- today. We're going to do one name right now, and we're going to do the next two later. Okay. And actually, that's a lie, Cage. I tell a lie. We're going to do two names now, and we're going to do the last one later in the show. And you'll see why as we go on. So the first name, Cage, are you ready from the Scrabble board? Yep. H-S-M-T-O-A. Whoops, I'm muted. Is this Cameron Thomas? It is Cam Thomas of the Brooklyn Nets who dropped 36 in a 114-113 loss to Cleveland. But 36 points off the bench for Cam Thomas, continuing to show as much as he's a walking bucket, he still seemingly will not start for the Brooklyn Nets. Doesn't seem what iteration they have for him to start. Honestly, it's the best sort of role that he could play, though, because he can just gun. He can just be a gunner off the bench, and just let and just find his own offense in the starting line. In the starting lineup with Bridges and Dinwiddie in the in the starting lineup, he can't really do that. So, if anything, this is kind of like a perfect role for him to like run run the second unit. Are you ready for the second name? Again, second of three, but the third one will be, we, we will talk about later in the show. So you're ready for All the right, second name. And the last name yep. for now, it is O-P-O-T-S-N-H-M. Clay Thompson? Right name, wrong player. It's one of the twins, isn't it, Osser? It is the Detroit Pistons forward, Osser Thompson, who had four points, seven rebounds, three assists, and eye-opening five blocks in his first NBA game yesterday night. Oh, man. Who'd have thunk it? I mean... He's always been a stat sheet stuffer back with overtime elite and during preseason. And I actually you got him with my last draft pick in a couple of other leagues. So, hey, man, I'm just saying, looking at that stat line, I'm looking like a little, a little bit of a genius. I mean, next to he went one for seven from the field and one for two from three. That five blocks, though, he had more than Jalen Durant who we all know is a is a special kind of rim protector, as young as Jalen Duran is, who had 17 points, 14 rebounds, four blocks, and or four assists and four blocks on his night, even though Detroit, again, also lost by one point. So I picked two teams who lost by one point, a Heat win, 103-102. And I think more importantly, Cade Cunningham's back. 30-point night for Cade Cunningham, the former Oklahoma State. Star guard, former first overall pick. But I'm gonna, that, I'm gonna go say, ahead. I'm gonna say this: Detroit defensively is going to be a problem. Because I mean, they're already looking like a cage. Like, 
they got ta- they got talent all across. The only problem is they can't really shoot that well. <laughs> and you do need shooting to be a contender in the NBA eventually. But they got a good foundation going on, and this team's gonna be surprised a lot of this team's gonna surprise a lot of people in the NBA, especially with Monty Williams at the helm. I couldn't agree more with that, Cage. But again, we're gonna continue the opening night and now second night of games that have completed. So the Nuggets win game one, 119-107 over the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Phoenix Suns also got their opening night win, 108-104 over the Golden State Warriors. And Golden State's lineup, Steph Curry point guard, Chris Paul shooting guard, Clay Thompson small forward, Andrew Wiggins power forward, and Kevon Looney at the center position. So all of them, all of the guys we thought were starting are starting in Chris Paul Curry and Clay Thompson with Draymond Green being injured. We'll see what the lineup looks like when Draymond comes back, but definitely going to be interesting to see how Golden State starts the year without Draymond Green, but specifically with that starting lineup of Chris Paul, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson playing the one, two, and the three. Well, looking at that lineup, you'll get great playmaking from Curry and Chris Paul. The issue is, Clay's not the same two-way player. Two-way player, and he been. I'm looking at the stat, and I'm looking at the stat, and like, literally, the only thing that he could provide is is his shot. And if it isn't falling, it's an issue. And I'm looking at the stat line right now: six of eighteen from the field, three of eleven from the field. He literally brick, built up bricks of how what I like to call him a Squidward's house. Um, yes. I said he looks like Squidward's house. I'm not taking that back. Um, but and then on the other side, Wiggins is supposed Wiggins being at the four. He's supposed to have a bigger offensive role, but only went four for twelve. Now Looney's gonna do his thing. Now Looney's gonna do his his thing and grab rebounds and um, crash the glass on the offensive and defensive end, but. It's a it's a very small lineup, and if they're not going offensively, they'll get burned on both ends of the floor, and they need Draymond back in soon. I couldn't agree more with that. Some other games that have concluded. Uh, I want to mention something else, Cage. And a game that um, I think is really interesting is the Spurs versus the Magic, or the Spurs versus the Mavericks, pardon me, so a battle of Texas between the between Dallas and San Antonio. San Antonio's starting lineup Cajun goes as follows. Jeremy Sohan, former first-round pick out of Baylor. Kelvin Johnson playing small forward. They have Devin Fasile playing shooting guard. Wembenyama playing power forward. And Zach Collins playing center. Now, why do I specify Sohan playing point guard? Because he's a natural power forward slash small forward. He is 6'8" playing the point guard position. Vasil and Johnson are six foot five and when Benyama's seven four and Zach Collins is six eleven. So that starting lineup for San Antonio is huge. They're all massive. So that's a really be- interesting lineup there for Greg Popovich and the San Antonio Spurs. And it's a great it's their best it's their most optimal lineup by far because you got a six foot eight, six foot nine point guard that can 
do it uh, be a do it all point forward, albeit his his jumper isn't the greatest, but he's working on it. And then you got the unicorn that is Wembenyama. He's in foul trouble with five fouls. Um, um, but then there's underrated pieces on that on that team like Devin Vassell, who right now has is leading the way with 21 points. Keldon Johnson's had a great game and and has seven assists. All these guys can pass the ball. All these guys can pass the ball. They can defend. They can shoot the ball to a degree. Zach Collins is very underrated at that five position now that he's finally healthy. That team is going to be special, but they, they are very young. They are very young and they're and they're going to make mistakes and they're gonna have to go through grow through them. And I think the Spurs are one of those teams that I wouldn't be surprised if they're – I don't think they're going to be as bad as people think. I think they'll be closer to, like, the play-in picture. I don't think they're going to be in the play – I don't think they're going to be one of the play-in teams, but they're going to be closer to, the, to that play-in picture than most people would think. Well, so the future, go ahead. So, all in all, the future is bright in San Antonio in the Alamo State. I definitely agree with that. Another team that I had in the play-in when we did our predictions on Monday, the Orlando Magic win 106-86 over the Houston Rockets. Houston also a rebuilding team. But Orlando, 20 points from Cole Anthony, 19 points from Franz Wagner, and a bunch of other guys getting some points, getting some minutes. And I'm feeling pretty confident in that Magic team being able to find the right mix as this year goes on to be able to make the play-in. And again, I'm not saying they're going to be a team that wins the play-in, but I think they're going to make the play-in, which again is still a strive for a team that has really struggled to find the right mix of young guys in Orlando. I think that five, I don't, I, I believe they started off five and 20 last season, but then the rest of the way they were almost, they were a 500 team. So last season, there were like stretches where they actually looked good, good. It's just that start kind of like buried them under, buried them for good. Now, if they have a good, now if they have a decent start to the season, they can easily be on the upper echelon of the play, of, of one of the playing teams. Um, they got a ton of talent um, on both ends of the floor. Um, not the, not the, greatest in terms of like star level in terms of guard play <clears throat> but they're solid in Cole Anthony mind you mind you he had 20 points he also had eight rebounds Jalen Suggs Markel Fultz has really turned his career around they got a steady they, they're steady at the five in Wendell Carter with Wendell Carter Jr. Um, obviously I know Spencer's a huge fan of Franz Wagner, the German wonderkind. And then Apollo. Yes, sir. And um and Paolo's gonna take a big big step forward in terms of like fine-tuning the ancillary parts of his game, as well as being efficient. So this magic team is going to be special. And another team you and I love, this will be the last time we talk about individually before we move on to just talking about the Raptors and the Celtics. Because again, I watched the end of the Celtics game. Thank goodness I did because they were able to come back and beat the Knicks in a horrible end of the game for the Celtics till the very end. 
and Cajun, again, working for MLSC, was at the Raptors game. We'll talk about how much he actually got to see. But Indiana, the Pacers, 143-120 winners over the Washington Wizards. Tyrese Halliburton, in only 26 minutes, had 20 points, 11 assists, with two blocks, um, pretty efficient scoring. Bruce Brown, 24 points in only 27 minutes. Very efficient night. Lots of other guys with lots of double-digit points, Cage. But Tyrese Halliburton is the real deal. Absolutely. Um, Halliburton is going to spearhead that Pacers team. And I would not be now. Granted, this is against the Wizards, and the Wizards are a rebuilding team. But offensively, that team's special. That I, I know I've used the word special a lot, but Indiana is going to be a sleeper team. We both we both said it, and they're not, not a sleeper on this broadcast. But everybody else, you're sure you're damn right. Mm-hmm. And. People forget Rick Carlisle's coaching that Pacers team. And Halliburton, sure, Halliburton led the charge with 20 points, 11 assists, a steal and two blocks, 9 of 16 from the field. But Matherin was start, Benedict Matherin was starting, and I know he's one of your favorites, Spence. He had 18. 18 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals. Obi Toppin played a solid role, albeit just 19 minutes, but it, the game was also a blowout. <laughs> Miles Turner played solid. Andrew Nemhard off the bench with 10 assists with and only two turnovers. But circling back to all that, they weren't they didn't even lead the score. They didn't they didn't even lead the team in scoring. The team, the man that led the Pacers in scoring, eight of eleven from the field. Six of eight from downtown, two of two from the line, three rebounds, an assist, and a steal. One of my favorite players, Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown Jr. Um, man, like, and you got Buddy Heald off the off off the bench who dropped fourteen on four threes, and they made twenty threes overall. This Indiana team is going to surprise a lot of people. Now, what remains to be seen is once they surprise people, how do they adjust with when teams target them and kind of game plan around them? Because you always have those teams that will catch you by surprise, and then other teams in the NBA will adjust. How will the Pacers adjust accordingly when teams actually game plan around them and, not, and are not caught off guard? To me, that's going to be the biggest question with the Pacers. But hey, I wouldn't even be. I had them in the play-in picture, but I wouldn't be surprised if they finished like fifth or sixth in the East. Well, we, you and I put Rick Carlisle as the third best coach in the NBA right now. So you got to expect he's going to have his team absolutely rearing to go when teams are taking him seriously and they're going to adjust appropriately. But again, as you mentioned, we're going to have to see. Now we're going to go to the Raptors. Raptors 97 94 winners over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Dennis Schroeder leading the way for the Raptors, 22 points, seven assists on relatively good shooting. Um, the only other player that shot particularly well was OG Ananobi, who had 20 points and six rebounds with a couple of blocks to boot. But Cage, I know you didn't get a, ch- a chance to watch the whole game, but from what you saw, 
What did you like mm. slash dislike from the Raptors tonight? Well, the best player in the world showed why he was the best player in the world in Dennis Schroeder. And by by best player in the world, I mean World Cup MVP and Dennis Schroeder. Now nah, I'm playing. But Dennis Schroeder kind of showed something. That the Raptors never really had at the guard position, even though they had Fred Van Vliet. They had size at the guard position, speed, which Fred Van Vliet never was any of. And more ball movements. Now, I know they struggle with turnovers, 14 turnovers in total, but 27 assists on 36 made field goals. Pretty big, de- pretty big deal. Pretty big deal given that the Raptors were known as a selfish team last year. And they had, they had three guys in the starting lineup that had five or more assists. Barnes had five assists. Siakam had six assists. Dennis Schroeder had seven, seven assists and led the team in scoring with 22 points. And defensively, they really shut down Minnesota for stretches. Sure, Anthony Edwards, 26 points, 14 rebounds. He took 27 shots to get to 26 points. And Carl Anthony Towns, who I know you hate, cat, um, let's just say played like a cat. He had 19 Eight for 20. points. Yeah, he had 19 points, 10 rebounds, four blocks, which sounds good until you look at the stat sheet. As you were going to say, Cajun, I got to steal the thunder from you, Cajun, because I can dunk on him now. Eight for 25 from the field was Carl Anthony Towns. And the best, the proclaimed best shooting big man in the league, two for 10 from the three point line. Bum. Oh, oh, you're going to, I'm, I'm going to say, I literally found this out before, and this is going to, Make you seethe in anger. Jeff Teague, former NBA point guard Jeff Teague. And I repeat, he said this. I thought it was D'Angelo Russell for a second until I found out who, who this actually was. Jeff Teague said that Carl Anthony Towns was Wemby before Wemby. I kid you not. And all I could do was, I could like, I know. Who? Okay, now I'm quickly going to dispel that right now. Carl Anthony Towns, I think, is listed seven foot. I just looked at it. My brain immediately just forgot. He is a listed seven foot. Now, Cajun, without obviously when you look at the two players, you see the difference. But I'm going to quickly check the stat sheet to make sure I tell you the exact difference. Victor Wembanyama is seven four, so four inches taller, and weighs allegedly two thirty. I think he's less than two thirty, but a listed two thirty. Carl Anthony Towns is seven feet tall, again, four inches shorter. He's a listed 256, and I bet he's heavier than that. That was after that was after him dieting for two weeks. After like, dieting I, for two, two two weeks? That's I, crazy. I, I don't I don't even know where to begin with that, but quickly before we I go completely off topic and just start slamming on Jeff Teague, who was a nobody just about for the Atlanta Hawks on some of the teams that should have won something but didn't because they sucked. Anyway, anyway. And man man got gifted a ring yeah, ring in twenty ring. I wanna say twenty twenty. Yeah, he got a ring from the Bucks. Oh. I didn't even know he was one of the bums who sat on the bench or, or the pine. But anyway, anyway. So before we continue, before I take all your thunder, quickly say the difference between Cat and Wemby is Cat can't dribble like Victor Wembanyama. 
He can't rim protect like Victor Wembanyama. And more importantly of those two things, Wemby is more fluid than Carl Anthony Towns because he's not as big. Carl Anthony Towns is more like Zion. And Zion's about three or four inches shorter than Cat. They're more uh, like to like. Next nah, to nah, 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 as explosive nah. as, as Zion Williamson. But he's that size. I- as like he's an unathletic Ma- Zion Williamson. That's what that's what Cat is. He's an unathletic his, Zion Williamson. And his feet on defense. His, his feet on defense is more like cement. Yeah, he, like, he can't get. It. He's the definition occasion of defending in quicksand. He takes a step and he's like swimming. And I literally saw at the end, man, man shot a three and tried to flop after after Dennis Schroeder put a hand up. I'm like, pitiful. Pitiful. So we can new cage. Raptors beat the t- Timberwolves. Anything else before we continue to, um, to go off topic about current Anthony Towns? Scott, Scotty Barnes being a rim protector um, and really shutting down stuff in transition. He's a lot – He it didn't really show this game, but he was a lot comfortable shooting the ball. He was a lot of comfortable shooting the ball from downtown. Pascal Siakam didn't really have a great stat line, but he didn't try to force things. He didn't try to for he he didn't try to force things, and and I'm looking at this right now. Um, even though they did get out rebounded, sixty-two to forty-seven, which is kind of expected given that there's Gobert, Towns, and Edwards who all combined for thirty-seven rebounds. Um, but defensive uh, de- defensively, they shut things down. OG Ananobi was solid with 20 points, two steals, three blocks, six rebounds, was efficient. Um, guys, guys were playing their roles. I just noticed guys were playing their roles and weren't trying to do too much. And I think like the times that they were trying to do too much, there's such a thing as being too unselfish. And I think a lot of those turnovers were more so too unselfish and there's now listen i don't know how good this raptors team is going to be whether they're going to be a play-in team or out of the play-in team or they or if they're going to surprise people but this team on both ends of the floor i can and this might be too early to say one game but they're going to be a lot more enjoyable to watch and a more free-flowing and fluid something that i could not say last year Well, Cage, I'll quickly say my thoughts on the Celtics before we move on and do our second part of the Scrabble board. The Celtics beat the Knickerbockers 108-104 in a game that ended horribly. So the Celtics were up big when I first looked. They had a great first quarter, 30-18. to I thought, okay, so they're going to blow out the Knicks. They then lose the second quarter to make it close at the half. They then win the third quarter a little bit. It's tied when I come in at eight minutes left in the fourth quarter cage. Then with th- four minutes to three minutes left in the fourth quarter, the Knicks are up by not are up by uh, seven because they hit a three to go up by three. Jalen Brown tries to inbound at Jason Tatum, who isn't looking for the ball. Something that made me want to throw my phone against the wall. Turnover. Knicks pick it up, pass it around, pull or pull up three by Brunson, fouled, and one on Brown. So Brown turns the ball over, then fouls Jalen Brunson to give him a four-point play to go up by seven, 100 to 93. So that made me very happy. 
But then the Celtics go on an 11 to 1 run, pull back, and then take the lead because of apparently the second option, but supposed third option, Kristaps Porzingis, who had 30 points, eight rebounds, four blocks, shot eight for 15 from the fleet from the field, five for nine from three, which is above 50 percent. <coughs> best shooting big, big man in the game. <coughs> anyway, uh, Tatum had his 34. Jalen Brown had a bad night. I would like to see Drew Holiday shoot a little more. He only had nine points, but he had three blocks. And a big stat line cage in between the Knicks and the Celtics, especially to end the game, is the Knicks shot 14 for 26 from the free throw line. That's 53%. The Celtics shot 22 for 26 from the free throw line. That's 84%. That's what that's what won the game for the Celtics. The Knicks should have beaten the Celtics tonight. When you listen to this yesterday, what the free throws costed the Knicks because they had more turnovers slash steals. The Celtics had 13 turnovers. The Knicks had nine nine steals for the Knicks compared to six for the Celtics. Offensive rebounds 17 to seven in favor of the Knicks. The only stat that's really in favor of the Celtics other than shooting percentage from the field, not even from three, and the free throw percentage is it was 11 blocks to none in favor of the Celtics. 11 blocks. And again, that was four from Kristaps, three from Holiday, and a couple ones scattered throughout the rest of the lineup. So defensively, I'm happy with what the Celtics are going to look like. Offensively, I think the three ball is still focused on a little too much by the Celtics. And if they're going to get offensively out-rebound, that can't happen, them shooting too many threes. But if the defense is going to stay that good, then I have nothing to worry about as a Celtics fan right now. And I'm not, even though I was not impressed by what I saw, I'd rather win a tough first game than win it by a blowout because a blowout doesn't teach me anything. This shows me the Celtics have heart. They have a little bit of a little bit of fight back. They were down. I thought that and one occasion was going to cost them the game. It didn't. They come back and they end up winning, you know, so... I am very impressed with how the Celtics ended the game, but I'm not impressed with, with with the game, if you will. So hopefully the Celtics' defense stays that good, and hopefully the offense can kind of round itself out with all the new pieces of Chris Stops and Andrew Holiday and, and et cetera. I mean, you always want to win a tough defensive-minded game because it shows resolve. Um, and credit the Celtics. Usually a possession, usually a run like that from like from a team in previous years, they would have fallen fallen apart. Credit credit that uh, credit the Celtics and um, head coach Joe Mazzulla and, and his coaching staff for adjusting. And Porzingis had a heck of a Celtics debut, thirty points. Tatum Tatum played great as usual. Jalen Brown for fantasy pur- purposes kind of cheesed me a little bit, but hey, it's just one game. It is what it it is what it is. But Celtic team, that Celtic team is going to be a championship contender. But defensively, they look good. Defensively, they look good. Offensively, that's going to be the big story. Can they play smart offensively? Because it seems like for stretches, they relied on the three ball a little bit too much. And it's only one game, and adjustments are going to be made because it's tough. It's tough. Flooding when you had Marcus Smart uh, when you had Marcus Smart for so long, then you trade then you trade him away and then you get somebody like Drew Holiday. 
who is talented in his own right defensively and is a little bit better offensively. So there's going to be an adjustment process, but defensively, the Celtics do look good, albeit against a Knicks team that can't shoot to save their lives, shoot free throws to save their lives. Um, I guess for both the Raptors and the Celtics, defensively, it's, I guess for the Raptors, defensively, it's what's going to make or break them. And for the Celtics, what's going to make or break them is diversifying their offensive attack. I couldn't agree more with that last statement you made, Cage, of diversify the offensive approach. Now, Cage, we're going to say the last name of the Scrabble board here before we move on to our next topic. So are you ready? Last Scrabble name, the three of three Scrabble name. Are you ready? Yep. Mr. Thibaut Thaney Castellum himself. One day I might throw your name in here just to see if I can get you. You'll probably get it because it is your last name, and there's so many damn letters. I'll probably get to, like, the eighth or ninth character and be like, ah, it's through Thinny Castle. I'm going to go, ah, you're right. Anyway, <laughs> so we'll see if go I on. can pull one, off, pull one off on you. Anyway, so the name is M-H-D-E-R-N-A-B. Wait, wait, M-H-D? M-H-D-E-R-N-A-B. M-H-D-E-R-N-A-D. You have spelt it right. You are right with what you've written down. Oh, uh, it's A-B, not D. It's N-A-B, A -B. not D. N-A-B. Uh, Andrew Nemarth. It is the Canadian. It is the 12-point, 10-assist man off the bench for the Indiana Pacers ten, uh, tonight slash yesterday, Andrew Nemhart. And why did I wait to mention Andrew Nemhart? You mentioned him in our review of the Indiana Pacers, a team you and I both liked. You mentioned yep. him. Why did I wait? Well, it's because this year we have 125 international players in the NBA. That is a record for the most international players in the NBA this season. Also a record 26 Canadians of those 125 international players, meaning non-Americans. So this does beg the question, Cajun, with Victor Omanyama and Nikola Jokic and even Joel Embiid, who's not American, he, even though he's going to play for America at the at the uh, Olympics in Paris, he is from Africa. So... Is the game becoming more of an international sport? And with that question, Cajun, does this mean the Americans, not too far from now, are going to not be the most dominant country at basketball? You were thinking about it? Down the line? Yes. Yes. I wholeheartedly believe that. And there's one reason and one reason only. The AAU level. I think it's for like in terms of like younger NBA players, for like younger players who are trying to make it to the NBA, at least from the States. I don't think they're teaching kids the game the right way. With international players, that's not the case. They're taught hard nosed basketball from all levels, all, for the most part, from all levels of the game. Um, there's EuroLeague. Um, there's EuroLeague, there's overseas basketball. Those guys 
are cut from a different cloth. And until the USA realizes that and teaches American players how to play the game on both ends of the floor and to play tough and to and to and I think this is the biggest thing injury management handle injury handle handle injuries better I think the world's going to catch up very soon and there's a ton of talent Luka Doncic Shea Gilgis Alexander Prestas Porzingis um and B who is from Cameroon and now is a naturalized U.S. citizen. Um, yeah, guys like Pascal Siakam, who's from Cameroon. Um, there's a lot of talent. There is a lot of international talent. And out of the 125 international players, 26 of them are from Canada, which is also a league high, a country high. One of them being... Mr. 39 himself, the great Dylan Brooks. And my, m- mind you, mind you, in that game against he in that game in that game against Orlando, he actually shot five or seven from the field, so he was efficient. Um so five or seven so, from the field cage, uh Four for six from three, 14 points, tied with the game high with Van, with the team high of Van Vliet and Sagoon with 14. He should have taken some of Van Vliet's or Jalen Green's shots. Like, damn. Maybe. The way the way Jalen Green, what, what did Jalen Green go from? So two for 10? 10, 10 points, two for 10 from the field. One oh oh for one from three. Breath. Uh, he, he 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 did get better. He didn't take 20 shots. When you got Van Vliet and other guys around, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. I don't think you can justify him taking that many shots, even though he's a really talented player. Mm-hmm. But Dan, I can't can't disagree with you there. But I guess we're gonna have to see how much longer the Americans have the stronghold of the NBA because it's only going to get worse from here if you look at it. And I mean that as a yeah. from American's perspective. If we are at a record now of 125 international players, 26 of those Canadian, and it's only going to get more so because of the money going into it here in Canada for, you know, uh, practices and um, obviously AAU ball and university ball and all of that stuff. But I'm not saying any of those guys are NBA players, but regardless, the money going into basketball here in Canada is going up. The money in it going over in Germany, who just won the World Cup, in Spain, who've always been good, in Serbia, who have Nikola Jokic, in Africa, with the African programs. You... And I think Masai Ujiri put uh, really spearheaded that idea of growing the game in, in Africa across the Giants of Africa. It's only going to get wider here, the gap between international players and Americans and the amount of Americans in the game versus Europeans and Africans and even Asia. Because right now, there aren't a whole lot of Asian players. I don't think there is any Asian players in the NBA right now from China or Japan or Korea. Imagine China. Where Hachimura? Hat, yeah, Hachimura, you're right. I, I tell a lie. He is from. He was born in Japan. You're right. Rui are we are we counting the Philippines in this? 
Oh, they would count as Asia. I'm not sure. Actually, I don't know if they count as Asia or Oceania. Because if, if that's the case, Jordan Clarkson? Well, okay. I'll, I'll rephrase in saying there are very few Asians in the NBA. Fair enough. I couldn't think of any, and you, Rui, Rui Hachimura, and you are very much correct. Fan of his out of, again, Gonzaga, now with the Lakers. Um, you know, Jeremy Lin was kind of the poster boy of that, especially from China. Um, so once China starts really putting money into basketball, because right now, look, they pay the rights, they show it, they love the NBA, you know, how big a fan base T-Mac had, uh, Grady, how big a fan base Allen Iverson has in, in, in Asia. You know, once China starts putting money into basketball and they start playing basketball at a really high level, watch out. Because, again, they got a billion people over there in, in China. They're going to have some really good ballers if they want it. They just, right now, they don't. So if that ever becomes a moment, Cage, that number of international players is going to skyrocket higher than it already is now. Yeah. So we will move on to, I'm going to say an American. I'm not exactly sure. Let me quickly look here. I will again mention Cajun is at Union Station, which is why all the background noise is going on around him. Yes, the American, Andre Iguodala, the former Golden State Warrior champion. He has officially retired after a comment saying he needs a new knee, two new hips, and his body has failed him one time too many. But he is now yep. done from the NBA. And Cage, I'm gonna let you answer this question first because my answer is pretty simple. You're down in the lineup. Is he a Hall of Famer? Is Andre Iguodala a Hall of Famer? Well, folks, this is in the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. So also it goes into account what you've done, say college ball and whatnot. Internationally as well. Internationally as well. Now, the numbers suggest Andre Iguodala is not a Hall of Fame player. But I could argue that without him, the Warriors aren't the Warriors. Him cutting him being playing a role that the Warriors needed him to be when he did, he wasn't known as the greatest scorer, but he could, but he could score. I think his career high was just a hair under 20 per game in 07-08 with the 76ers. 19.9, Cage. 19.9 in 07-08. Okay. Um, But he was that do-it-all forward. We've seen a lot of do-it-all forwards in the NBA right now. Andre Iguodala is one of the original ones. And when he went to Golden State, the fact that he played a role in which he was overqualified to play kind of led to the Warriors being the dynasty that they are. Um, Obviously, having a finals MVP did help in spite of how LeBron played, but 20 years from now, nobody's going to remember really that. They're going to remember Andre Iguodala having a finals MVP. And I believe in his one, in his college, he did win an NCAA title. I want to make sure I want to make sure I have that right. Well, I can quickly check that. Um, he played for Arizona, so that is very possible. Arizona is a rather historic basketball school. Are the Wildcats? Um, 
No, he didn't. He didn't. He did not. He didn't. Um, I guess in terms of sort of like the accolades that he's had and the role that he's played and based off of the fact that there have been some names that don't have like the counting stats that have made it to the basketball hall of fame. I think, I think, I think he could very well be hall of fame. Well, I can quickly say, move on very fast. No, he's not a hall of famer. Never was a hall of famer just because he's got four rings because he was on a great team with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and, and in fairness, Draymond Green will also probably make the hall of fame. Who shouldn't Iguodala. If, if you're going to let Draymond Green in, which I don't think they should, you can't let Iguodala in. You get one or the other. You can't You can't get both. You can't get two guys who average less than 10 points a game for their career. Iguodala is like 11 points per game, so I do tell a lie a little bit there, but it's not that much of, a, of an embellishment to say that he is not a Hall of Famer, and I disagree that he is a Hall of Famer, and he should not go in because I think now, that is ridiculous. Now... In terms of like, in terms of that, I do agree, but I've seen someone like Maurice Cheeks make the NBA, make make the Hall of Fame. Maurice Cheeks does not have the counting stats and was not, and kind of had a similar role to Andre Iguodala in that in winning a title and they only won one and, and he only won that one title with Philly and yet he's in the Boston basketball hall of fame going off of that. If somebody like Maurice cheeks, cheeks made it to the NBA into the basketball hall of fame. And I need, I remind you, this is, it's not the NBA hall of fame. It's a basketball hall of fame. If somebody like Mo cheeks made it the basketball hall of fame, somebody like Iggy is going to, should he? No. Will he? It's a possibility. Well, I don't disagree with your logic, Cajun. I just disagree because, again, I'm going to sit on my side of the pool. No, he's not a Hall of Famer. No, he shouldn't go in the Hall of Fame. And I will resist it until he goes in and I complain about him being in. And then he's added to those list of names you just mentioned there with Mo Cheeks of guys that, well, he's in, so he the other guy must go in. And it becomes a complete cycle of garbage. So anyway, he shouldn't go in. I don't. I disagree. I, I agree with your logic. I disagree with the sentiment. But anyway, anyway, we'll quickly move on. He is now going to be a broadcaster. He's joining ESPN alongside Becky Hammond and the Austin Rivers as ESPN analysts. So he's joining another guy who got all of as uh, who famously said it, Cage. He got all his money from his dad. Was that was that a. Uh, uh, Stoudemire? No, uh, the Gilbert Arenas? Or who was that? He got all his money from his dad? I don't know. Was it Kendrick Perkins? It was some, but it, it was some, it was some Celtic, I feel like. And it was, they were, and Gilbert Arenas is not a Celtic, but it was somebody, either a Celtic or Gilbert Arenas, when they were on like a beach or something, and they, 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 uh, Austin Rivers said something, said something about them, and they basically went on this whole tirade about Austin Rivers being a bum and getting all his money from his dad and not earning anything. And, why, and do I have why, that why do I have a feeling it's either Kendrick Perkins or Big Baby Davis? 
I think it's actually baby. I think I think you're right. I think it's Glenn Davis. I think I think it's Glenn Big Baby Davis. I think you're very right. I think you're very right in that comment. That is that is a great show by you, Cajun. So I think you're right there with that. But um, anyway. Okay, the- let me make this. Let me make this quick about Iguodala. Iguodala has always had, for all his talks about like, will he make, will he or should he make the Hall of Fame? He's always got a great basketball in mind. He's shown it, um, in more so a part-time player coach role for like the Warriors before he retired. Um, I think I think his insight's going to be. Refreshing for NBA fans to hear. Obviously, you and I love 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 some Becky Hammond. Um, Future NBA first female NBA coach. It's coming. Some some GMs gotta have the balls to do it, but I'm waiting for that GM to do it. Honestly, Cage, if I was a betting man, which I sort of am, I would put money that Greg Popovich retires and Becky Hammond becomes new head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. I feel like that's gonna sure. happen. I couldn't agree more with that. With that. Uh, with that. And um, it's going to be so. It's going to be so insightful hearing her take on, on, on the game of basketball, and not hear her, not hear her like, while she's coaching in the middle of a WNBA finals game, which is just ludicrous. And as for Austin Rivers, there's such thing as getting one too many opportunities from your daddy. This is one of those opportunities. This is one of those instances for Austin Rivers. And the only reason why I know it's an opportunity from his dad, Cajun, is because I was watching the Celtics versus Knicks game, and guess who the two analysts were? It was the great Doris Burke. It was the great Doris Burke, who I wish would have done at WNBA games this year because I think she's so good and so knowledgeable, and I think she would have made such a great addition to the WNBA broadcast as a woman broadcaster who is fantastic. Cannot say enough good things about Doris Burke. But it was it was the great Doc Rivers, as you say, Glenn, Glenn Rivers. It was the great Doc Rivers, former Celtics coach, former head coach when the Celtics had, ironically, Tom Thibodeau as the assistant with the Celtics when they won the championship back in 08. Well, obviously, Thibodeau, now the coach of the New York Knicks. So his former assistant playing his former team as an analyst was, I think, pretty good for his skill set, but still... It was Glenn Rivers, or Doc Rivers, preferably, and Doris Burke. So, you know, Austin Rivers joining his dad in the uh, analyst ranks after after joining his dad on the Los Angeles Clippers and the Houston Rockets. Beautiful. I'm not too familiar with it. Who doesn't love a dad getting their son a job? Now, we're going to try to end this quickly as Cajun, again, is still surrounded by the mob after the Raptors game. It's going to be a, a little bit of off-basketball topic. So for the first time on this show, 21, epi- or 21 episodes in, we're going to go off-topic from basketball. I do apologize. So if, you, if you're only here for basketball, you may bid a, a feral adieu. We will see you on Monday. We're back for our regularly scheduled programming. But Mad Dog Russo, the Bob Cousy enthusiast, Mad Dog Russo, made a comment. So he didn't think the Diamondbacks would win their wild card game. They did. He didn't think they'd win the AL or the NLDS. They did. They were now down three games to two to the Philadelphia Phillies. And Mad Dog Russo said, and I quote, if the Arizona Diamondbacks win uh, win game six and game seven, I will retire on the spot. Well, Cajun, the Bob Cousy enthusiast might have to actually eat his own crow 
as the Diamondbacks did win game six and game seven and are now in the World Series against the Texas Rangers. So everything Mad Dog Russo said they weren't going to do, they've now done and now take on Texas on Friday. So technically tomorrow. So, Cage, I guess my question for you is pretty simple. Do you think the Bob Cousy enthusiast, Mad Dog Russo, is going to retire from being an I, I don't know. No, no. He, he follows he should, his word? No, he's, he's going to twist it around and say he's going to retire from radio. Call him Chris Madcap Russo because he's saying a lot of cap. But just with MLB playoffs in general, I'm going a little bit off topic here, but it's just been great. Like Texas Houston on the AL side for the ALCS. The only time the road team won all game, all seven games. The last time that's happened was 2019 was the 2019 world series between the nationals and the Astros and go, go figure it involved the Astros, and I'm pretty sure every baseball fan is thrilled to see the Astros not in the World Series. Um, and Arizona's just a great success story um, with Corbin Carroll, Cattell Marte, um, ex-Jays players, Gabby Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I'm pretty sure Jays fans are throwing up in their mouths right now, but hey, um, it's going to be a great World Series, and if the Diamondbacks win the World win the World Series, Mad uh, Madcap Mad Russo, as I like to call him now, might might end up having a seizure by the end of this. And again, I do want to say his real name. His name is Chris Russo, but everyone calls him Mad Dog on the radio and on ESPN when he does make his appearances on First Take and defends again. As I keep saying, the Bob Cousy enthusiast. The reason why I say that is because on First Take, he continued. Um, uh, he continued, uh, to defend Bob Cousy about, uh, best point guard ever and all that type of stuff. And it was just, it was kind of funny. It was kind of funny. Anyway, um, quickly before we, we move off and end the show, I'm trying to look here. So it looks like Mad Dog Russo has already, um, gone by his, uh, promise here and, uh, he, and he said, I stand by my promise after, and after the Diamondbacks won game seven. So that was after game six, Russo had said, if the Diamondbacks win game seven, he will retire. And then uh, he, apparently Russo joined the Howard Stern show and admitted he doesn't want to retire. Shouldn't have said what he said then. And here it is, Cage, here it is. So as negotiated with, with, the, with at Stern Show, so on the David Stern Show, instead of retiring, Chris Mad Dog Russo will wear a Diamondbacks bikini, walk through the streets of New York City wearing a sign that says, I'm a, and I, I don't want to say this word, but it starts with a D and ends with a oosh. I don't know if it counts as, a, as an inappropriate word, but yeah, it starts with a D, ends with an oosh. I'm a insert word here. And then it was the audio from the show for Mad Dog Russo. Man. Watch him not do that either. Would not shock me. So we'll see if Mad Dog does what they just said in that tweet or not, or if that's another rib. But anyway, so Mad Dog Russo not retiring, but maybe he should with that take on uh, the four Diamondbacks. You know? I'm going to call, call him Mad Cap after this. Mad Cap Russo. 
You're not wrong, Cage. You're not wrong. But that'll be it for us here from Polar Opposites. For Cajun, Theru, Fanny Caslam, I'm Spencer Byers. Thank you so much for taking us in here today. We'll be back on Monday for your regularly scheduled programming here on the Outrage Inc.